Bring it back. Welcome to the Endurance Town USA podcast, a state of mind destination where endurance athletes of all levels connect. This episode of our Faces Behind the Races miniseries is brought to you by Race Roster, a premier event registration partner for race directors nationwide. I'm Travis Ford, producer and man behind the curtain here at the Endurance Town USA podcast. Today, our host and Race Slow CEO and founder, Samantha Pruitt, traveled to Moab, Utah to sit down with professional endurance athlete, fitness coach, and survivalist, Danelle Belenji. Coach Nelly, as she's commonly known, has helped professional athletes across the spectrum of outdoor specialties take their elite skills to the next level. Included in her personal accomplishments, Danelle holds the female speed record for climbing all 54 of Colorado's 14ers in 14 days and 49 minutes. Sam sat down with Danelle in a beautiful outside space in Moab, Utah, and I'm going to let her take it from here. Okay, I'm here with Nellie Balenji in Moab, Utah, hanging out on her patio with her three dogs and her two boys, and we're going to get to know each other a little bit. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me over. Yeah, thanks for coming over. So I know you a little bit um, since I've been hanging out here off and on for the last four or five years, and I'm totally falling in love with this place now, and I know you're a race director here, so I wanted to reach out. And then um, working on Primal Quest, getting to know you as an adventure athlete as well. So can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing here and how long you've been? Okay. Um, So I, in the year 2000, prior to that, when I was uh, training and racing as a, trying to make it as a professional endurance athlete, I was, I would come down to Moab in the spring and fall as a getaway from the snow and cold of Summit County, Colorado, where I was living at the time. And I loved it down here, just the the different landscape and the opportunities for training, for running, biking, and kayaking. And um, I was coming down here so often that I thought, you know, I need to just get a piece of land or someplace where I can, you know, come to when I, you know, a home base for when I come down to Moab. And uh, I was going to just get like a trailer, mm-hmm. uh, travel trailer. And a little get a vacation lot. home. Yeah. And eventually I found the house that I'm still living in. And it was a, it's a fixer upper and uh, ended up buying it. And that was in the year 2000. Um, so I would live here part time and then in Colorado part time. And then in 2006, I had the accident with the fall and that changed uh, my life quite a bit and I ended up getting a restaurant and owning that. So starting in 2007, I was living in Moab full time. Full time. Okay. Yeah. And now I've got two kids and they go to school here. So I've uh, just been full time here ever since. Love it. Well, did you grow up in Colorado then? Yeah, I grew up in Evergreen, Colorado. Mm. Um, and that's where my parents still live. I was born in Southern California, and but when I was about three years old, we moved to, to Colorado. And actually, I went to school with Trey Parker from South Park. <laughs> no and, way. Yeah. <laughs> and I see, when I watch South Park, mm-hmm. there are a lot of similarities. You know, it's not, obviously not reality, but there are definitely characters and things from chi- my childhood and my school where That's I went to school, some of the teachers that I recognize from the show are based on real people. Wow. From that. So, yeah. So I went to school at South Park, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, boy, your life would have been so different if you stayed in California. That's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was, well... You went from being a beach person to a mountain yeah, person, now you're I a was, desert person? And actually, I was only in Southern California for a short time. My parents regret actually selling their house in Redondo mm. Beach because... Darn it, it Real shortly, Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they moved, but it was getting too busy for them there. And they moved actually to um, Lone Pine, California. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, Mountains. Badwater, basically yeah. Mount Whitney. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, that's where my sister was born. And then my dad got a job in Colorado. And is the whole family, parents, sister, is everyone into the outdoors and adventure like you are? Not so much as I am, but yeah, they still, they enjoy it. Um, my mom has gotten, the older she's, she gets, the more she seems to get into outdoor adventure. Oh, wow. Okay. She's, How old is she? Uh, 70, she's 74. 75 now and have you done anything cool together yeah we go on hikes and bike rides together and we travel I, we went just last december we were in mexico and we went on a cenote tour and my 75 year old mom was jumping jumping off a cliff what zip lines <laughs> along with my son was six at the time wow and, oh it was fantastic we had a good time together with the three generations doing this and we went yeah zip lining cliff jumping swimming snorkeling hiking through the jungle and did they bring you up you and your sister to be athletes at what point did you get into the you know let's be an active child we're growing up didn't really do much um, endurance sports. Okay. Really none. I mean, we had bikes that we rode a little bit around the neighborhood. Mm. We didn't really do much hiking, but we did go camping. And so every summer we would head out and go camping. So I was outside a lot and um, and I played, but my background is was soccer. Oh, okay. I played soccer. As what a, age? Second or third grade. Playing just rec soccer. And played all the way through high school, won the state championship um, soccer team. So that was kind of my background. And then it was actually, believe it or not, the sport of volleyball that got me into endurance sports. I had a, a coach. Or the volleyball team at the high school was really good. Um, and I was into sports, so I wanted to play and be part of that team. Um, but she made a comment to me about my size, and it was an insult to me. You're not tall enough to be yeah, a volleyball player yeah, or something? Yeah, and I knew I wasn't going to – it didn't matter how good my athletic talents would be. It didn't matter how high I could jump, how strong I was, you know, how smart I was at the game or how good I could serve or dig or whatever. I wasn't going to get a chance to play. I was going to be benched, and I knew it. And so the day after she made that comment, I was like, dang, I want to do a sport where – the coach can't decide. Oh, nice. I didn't want the coach. Yeah. I didn't want anybody deciding how good or bad I was at or the sport. Or my potential. Yeah, or my potential. I wanted to prove it on my own. How so old I, were you? This was uh, sophomore in high school. Okay. So I tried out. I went immediately to the cross-country team. And the coaches there were amazing. They were totally the opposite of the volleyball court <laughs> coach. They made running fun. And to do that for a high school girl is is pretty amazing well and, and you were, and I are the same age honestly there wasn't it was a little bit different than in sports for females you know mm -hmm. we didn't have they weren't coming after us trying to get us on the team no, they we had to really want to get yeah. anything done athletically yeah yeah these coaches were so welcoming cool and they made it fun and they didn't push me too hard um, they knew kind of to let me push myself as hard as I felt you know wanted to do and I you know I got I grew to love running 
then. And I had been into it a little bit. There was a town race in Evergreen, and the whole town kind of went out and did it. And so one year I went out and did it. And um, so that, but that was sort of like, I wasn't really into running. It wasn't until I started cross country that I got more serious about it. And then from there, I ran in college on the CU cross country team, and I was a red shirt. And the jump from high school to college running was so big that I burned out on running. And I just didn't, I got where I just didn't even like running anymore, but oh. I still, I started biking and swimming. I started getting into triathlons. This is University of Colorado? Yeah. Boulder? This was at Bo in Boulder. So I got into triathlons, and that same year, I think it was my, it was a sophomore year in, at, at CU, the, the triathlon club developed. And, um, like late 80s, sort of in the boom? Well, no, this, was, this would have been 91. 91, okay. Yeah. And so I got into triathlon, and then from from triathlon, I kind of reverted back a little bit towards running, but more into mountain running mm. with the Pikes Peak Marathon, and, and uh, I discovered more of the trails just around my house in Evergreen and found that I just loved, you know, running the trails. Was it that you saw Eco Challenge and Primal Quest and went, this looks insane, I got to do it, or what was the draw? Was it because you thought you could be good at it? Yeah, Primal Quest hadn't started yet. But I had seen the Eco Challenge on TV, and I remember watching it thinking that it was just crazy. <laughs> and, but I also remember watching it, and you know how they, they dramatize it. And I remember seeing these people like out there just suffering, just complaining and stuff. And I remember thinking, wait, I can do this. You know, I love being outside. That doesn't seem that bad. Why are they so upset? <laughs> and I was like, I could, you know, I could, I think I could do this. Um, the whole thing about the, the, the going through the night and going for a week at a time was pretty daunting to me, and that seemed kind of impossible. But I also saw that that this the, the the part of it that drew me in was just being outside on this adventure, traveling through these countries and through this beautiful landscape. And I thought, you know, this that doesn't seem like suffering at all. That looks like fun. Just Did your education um, help in any way? What did you study at university? Yeah, I started off studying biology, um, environmental biology. Nice. And um, while I was in college, I realized that the classes I was drawn to were more uh, related to, you know, similar to the classes that those who wanted to become a doctor were interested in, um, more the anatomy and physiology, kinesiology. And so I ended up halfway through college deciding that I was going to get a double major um, with kinesiology. Oh, that had um, to be helpful. So there are a lot of the similar classes, but I was really interested in the kinesiology and having, at during that time, become interested in sports and endurance sports and how the body works and injuries and that kind of thing. Um, the kinesiology, I was drawn to that and that made, tied together really good with, with my interests. I was originally going to be a physical therapist Mm -hmm. And I did a internship at a physical therapy clinic. And you were racing professionally and looking for prize money and going after that. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot. I mean, you know, you can't really make it as a, you know, I don't even know nowadays if anybody can make it as a professional Solely, endurance yeah. athlete, you right. know, but just because it's one of those sports. Even where, if you're sponsored. It's, yeah, even if you're sponsored, it's hard. And that worked, you know, for a little while. And it, and it gave me the flexibility to train at the same time work. Hey guys, are we all in on this or what? 
Hey, let's take an aid station break. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Race Roster. Not only is Race Roster the leading endurance sport industry race registration platform, but they are truly our kind of people. Founded by athletes, their team gets us and it goes all in on helping race directors like me build my business and stay sane. <laughs> which many days of the week can be pretty challenging. Grab a demo with them. Find out more raceroster.com backslash endurance town USA. So you got into coaching and personal training as a way to make some money, but also, you know, you have a passion in that too, working with athletes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I did enjoy working triathlon or what were you coaching what kind of sports adventure uh, endurance sports in general anything and okay. i tended to work i tended to work with more you know not your mainstream triathlete it was more uh mountain running trail running you know ultra running hasn't hadn't gotten as big at the time so a few ultra runners and um people doing like various multi-sport events sort of non-mainstream uh outdoor athletes tended to be but I, you know I also worked with I worked at a gym and I worked with just normal people mm-hmm. you know that were just looking to improve their lifestyle you had your big accident what was it 2006 mm-hmm. were you December mm-hmm. yeah spent three nights out in the wilderness here mm-hmm. in the trail system in the winter time yeah. surviving that big crash your life had to absolutely I mean I just can't even fathom some of the stuff that went through your physical and um, psychological aspects of your life moving forward because I mean you're like an amazing comeback story moving forward how has that changed you and really what were your big takeaways there besides the obvious right like surviving Mm -hmm. what else um I mean it it slowed me down and gave me um it made me really appreciate uh, life and and what I have and what I had done, you know, as far as my athletic career, and it made me really think about uh, a bigger perspective of life as far as like just just a, a on a more philosophic level, just thinking about life in general and the purpose of it and enjoying the moments and enjoying the little things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it slowed me down. I mean, it, now I can sit outside with my dog and pet my dog for hours and enjoy doing that and learn to appreciate it. Whereas before, I was more into um, feeling like I needed to stay busy and achieve. And, you know, I was focused on the, on the training and the racing and the, the work and, you know, just moving forward. And which was great. I'm glad that at the time I did that. But then after the accident, it just gave me sort of a different perspective of life. Mm-hmm. Um, did you take a personal inventory of your life and decide to, <clears throat> excuse me, do things different, or did it further instill your own deep values and you know just drive home your truth? Both, both. I mean, it. You know, you definitely made me think back to my life and everything I've done, and to appreciate that part of of my life but then at the same time it it made me think about what other things I want in my life you know wanting wanting a family 
you also bought a restaurant and owned a business here in Moab, and so that was part of it too, like kind of a, not a settling down, but maybe just a more mainstream life. Yeah, well, I knew I wasn't going to be able to, to race, so I was looking for some sort of... Uh, where do I put all this energy? Yeah, well, and also where do I where do I pay the bills, you know, yeah. something, something to do. And uh, at the time, it seemed kind of exciting, you know, having a business of my own. It was something I'd never done. And it seemed something that I'd always kind of always thought of how it would be fun to have my own business. Mm. And, you know, one thing led to another and it kind of happened fast. And next thing I know, you know, I've got this restaurant and I'm running it and it was fun. It's fun. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, it's fun. The people you meet, I met some totally different people. I've been working around, working with athletes. And so being in the restaurant industry, I got to meet a whole different type of person whole new tribe yeah and it was fun and really nice people and I enjoyed the challenge of it and I enjoyed the work and the customers and um, the restaurant was successful we were busy so it was that restaurant is off the hook Mills I just went there yesterday just was gonna grab some goodies after doing a mountain bike ride and it was packed out I was like check it out yeah well, in Moab right now, every restaurant is packed out. <laughs> Moab Summertime. Needs, needs more restaurants. Well, just year-round even. There's mm -hmm. like, they're building millions of hotels and hotel rooms and short-term rentals, but there's no more, no new restaurants going up. So Yeah, there's a bit um, of a labor shortage here right now, too. That, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When did you start your company in terms of race production? I started uh, actually in 1994, right when I graduated from college. Oh, already? Okay. Yeah, so during that time I was racing a lot. I just loved racing, being with the people and the challenge and the races and seeing these different courses and doing different types of races, everything from snowshoeing and skiing to triathlon and quadrathlons and mountain running. And so Quadrathlon, um, what is that? Well, the one that I that I in particular that I loved to do was the Mount Taylor Winter Quadrathlon, and it was road biking, running, um, cross-country skiing, and snowshoeing. What? In, all in one race? Yeah, and oh. you would actually start in this little town, this small little cute town in New Mexico, um, and you'd um, do all these four different sports to the top of Mount Taylor, um, which was a... a significant peak just outside of the town and you ride run ski snowshoe to the top of it and then you do everything back down snowshoe oh ski run and ride That's back and awesome. finish into town and uh, the whole town come out for it and it was a fun event that drew a good crowd of people and kind of why did you launch your own race and what was the first one I had just done one year I had done the evergreen triathlon and it was like my home hometown triathlon so it was kind of a cool thing to come home and do the race and I did pretty well I think I was oh 19 or 20 at the time and then there was discussion of the race was going to die the race director was moving on to something else and so I had the opportunity to take over that race mm. um, having no idea what I was getting into <laughs> but um, the main motivation at the time was I don't want this race to die you know right. people really like it this is my hometown I know the area that's where I grew up and so I ended up taking over the evergreen triathlon and that was in 1994 I had no idea what I was doing but ended up having 
somehow pulling off a pretty good sized race. You know, had did you just love it? Like, did you do it? Finish the race because it's such hideous amounts of work, and just go, I love this. Or were you like, this is ridiculous. I'm out. I was like, this is ridiculous. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I <laughs> didn't sleep for like three nights, uh -huh. and there was so much stress. stress. But then somehow, you know, and there was problem, little problems that I was having to solve left and right. But somehow, once that all worked out, and I and I got rested and got spit out the other side, there was the the people that said, "Hey, that was cool," mm -hmm. and that's was like, "Okay, maybe I can do this." You know, mm -hmm. maybe I can use this as a learning experience, and maybe I can do this. So now, so that was in '94. So what, twenty some years later? Just a few years. I'm yeah. still learning. I'm still <laughs> learning. Things change and things evolve. But you've had different races yeah. in Colorado and here in Moab, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I had the races in Colorado, and then uh, I organized. And then for a while, I uh, the Evergreen Triathlon became well. Evergreen grew up, you know, and the traffic became so bad that it ended up not being possible to do it in evergreen on those on those courses just because of the the way the town had grown okay. um so i kind of moved moved the races and then i kind of cut back to doing some smaller events and then when i moved out to moab i stopped doing races um i was kind of burned out i had been doing it for a lot of years and kind of burned out so i actually stopped organizing races and then i had a gentleman from canada and he had organized a, a trail event uh, up in Vermont that I had went and done and loved it. Um, the Ultimate XC, it was called. And he contacted me about doing a, a run course in Moab. And I was like, you know, yeah, it's a great place for, you know, a run course. You know, mm -hmm. the trails here. And I knew the trails. So I kind of used my maps and my imagination and my experience from being out there and came up with this loop, which ironically was part of the loop was on the route where I fell. Um, and um, I think part of my motivation for including that was almost my recovery from the accident of proving to myself that I didn't do anything stupid. It was just an accident, yes. you know, kind of, kind of, that's always, that was, has always been in the back of my head. Did I do something, you know, people ask, now, why didn't you do this or that? And I always sure. wondered, did I do something? Was it Second just an guessing. accident or mm -hmm. did I do something wrong? Um, so the race course goes right past it. And we've had not had any accidents in 10 years. That was part of the course. And it is part of the, it's a trail. You weren't like spelunking well, up a mountain doing no, some off trail yeah. doing, well, you know. Well, it was, it's definitely not a trail. It's a section of the course where you're connecting one trail to another. Okay. So it's a route, but okay. it's not a, a designated trail or whatever. Not a well-established trail. Yeah, yeah. It's... The dog's chiming in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's sort of become a trail mm -hmm. because the race course goes there. But it was no different, that route, um, even though it wasn't an actual designated trail, it's uh, it's no different than, I mean, it's much more tame than what we used to do in adventure racing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's no different than, uh, you know, dozens of the trails around here in Moab or anywhere else. And this is a Moab Trail Marathon. Yeah. 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 So it started off as the Ultimate XC, and it was the gentleman from Canada was the race director, and I just did the course. And um, we did that for a couple years, and then he kind of realized that trying to organize a race. Um, in Moab from Canada was 
was difficult. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of backed off, and I'm not sure he moved on to some other things. At one point, you were also climbing significantly, right? So am I? do I have this correct that... Never been a climber. You never did climbing? Uh -uh. Okay. No. I always managed to get through the ropes courses of the adventure race, but um, definitely never got, got into climbing. Were you doing peaks? Peaks, yes. Okay, you were bagging peaks, so you were yeah. mountaineering. Got mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And at what point was that in this adventure oh, athlete endurance space? Yeah, so the 14ers of Colorado have always kind of been appealing to me. And just right during college... I remember going up with some college buddies and hiking some of the 14ers in Colorado and just loving it. Like being drawn, I'm definitely drawn to the mountains and the challenge of hiking a peak and being up at altitude and the views and stuff have always been appealing to me. And um, I had heard of a, uh, this was during college, I had heard of a guy that climbed all the peaks uh, uh, in a row. In Colorado? Yeah. How many all the 14 are there? All the 14,000 foot peaks. So there's 54 of them. 54 peaks yeah. over 14,000 14, feet, feet in Colorado? Yeah. Okay. So this guy had went out and did it. Took him like two or three weeks to do it. And he did it, you know, he was going for the speed record. And I was like, whoa, cool. Because I just love the peaks. And so I kind of in the back of my mind had this idea of doing it. Um, but I was doing adventure races at the time. And then there was a guy that said, hey, I'll crew you. And I was like, okay. So I got a crew. Now I'm oh, committed. Here so we go. I picked a date. and um, What time of year did you do it? And it was July of 2000. Okay. And went and did it. All of them? Um, this was in the, yeah, and did all 54 of them. And it was one of, definitely one of the hardest things I've ever done, um, but also one of the coolest things I've ever done. And, you know, when I look back on it, it was pretty amazing and I had lots of challenges the the thunderstorms were horrific during Scary. the time yeah and then I I got behind pace and so I was off pace I was trying to set the record and I got behind and my crew had to get back to work so during the middle of it I decided that yes I'm off pace from getting the men's record but I still am going to establish a women's record and I still you know, have a chance of completing this. So I was able to recruit a new crew okay. to finish it up so my old crew could go back to work. <laughs> and uh, and I was only, Selfless I was less than a day off of the men's record wow. when I finished it. I made up some time at the end. Um, so what was the actual time overall? So it took me 14 days, 14 hours, and 49 minutes to do all the peaks. So and, that's still the speed it, record for the females? Yeah, the, the men have since broken the record. I think they're down to 12 days or maybe just under 12 or maybe, I'm not even sure. I know there's been several several guys that have gone out and done it and have broken the record. And actually one of the guys, um, Teddy Kaiser, um, I helped crew him for a little bit when he set the record. That was shortly after I had done the 14ers. And I think his record has since been broken possibly by Andrew Hamilton, um, but I don't even know of a, a female that's attempted it. Really? I think, wow. I think more females are, in general, more intelligent than myself <laughs> or the guys because it is a bit risky. Yes. Um, you know, just mainly the weather. Hitting a good pocket of weather is, I think, the key to succeeding in it. If you have, you know, good weather. I, I mean, I had, a, I had a couple peaks where I would get 
most of the way up to the top and then I would have to drop back down because the thunderstorms were so bad and and so dangerous or I would have to sit and wait until the the storm cleared and then hit the peak wow I'm just I just the sense of adventure is you know obvious in terms of like who you are as an individual but like what are those core values that were either instilled in you or you built yourself from the ground up, whether it came from your family, your parents, that makes you search out challenges like this? Yeah, and to be honest, I think about that myself too. Like I have no idea. Mm. And now that I'm older with kid, raising kids and, you know, having injuries and stuff, I still have the drive to get out and and explore and to do things, but I don't have the motivation that I used to uh, mm-hmm. or the discipline to to train. Where I would, you know, I would I'd be very disciplined and wouldn't miss a day of training. And then, like even you know, I did a race last weekend, and if I felt tired, I just had I just slowed down. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, when I was younger and and competing. I didn't slow down. I would push through. Mm-hmm. And I look back now and I don't know how I did it. I mean, <laughs> I don't know where it came from or mm-hmm. how I got this motivation. And, um, you know, it, it, was, uh, it was just something I can't explain. Um, books or movies or anything like that that you got in the works or that you mm-hmm. care about? Well, let's see. The book, the only book... I've had people ask me about a book, mm-hmm. and I always thought that it would be the Taz's life with me as his owner from his perspective of, you know, him and I going through this you that know, is 16 a cool year idea. journey together because he's kind of been there with me and just the whole, our, our connection, and he's been my training partner, and he's been there with the kid, you know, through the kids and everything. And, uh, and I'm not the type of person that, that, that I don't like talking about myself. You know, I'm, I'm pretty private. I prefer just to kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'll go, I like to go out in the woods and run for hours, you know, Mm -hmm. by myself or with maybe just my teammates or something like that. But I'm not a very social person as far as going out and about and to parties and public. I can't even barely get myself to the supermarket. You know, I, (laughs) Amazon prime. I love the Amazon Prime. That's awesome. But I thought it so I thought it would be fun to instead, you know, have Taz tell the story, uh, our story. I love that. Would be kind of a fun way to do a book. That's just kind of been in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Do you do yeah. much writing? Uh, no. No. Mm-hmm. No. I yeah. Not... Nowadays, you could just story tell through. You know, media. Yeah, objects, and I of I don't even do much storytelling. I just it's all. And inside me, you know, like it just, mm-hmm. I just, the thoughts, you know, I could sit, sit and thought, or I could run. I think that's what keeps me going when I'm right on a long bike ride or a long run is I could, is when I'm exercising, I could keep those thoughts flowing, but to try to tell, I've not, I've never been very good at, at putting those thoughts into writing or putting those thoughts into words. Mm-hmm. So, but mm-hmm. I suppose if I was to do a book, I could sit down and either record the thoughts yeah Mm -hmm. or write the thoughts with you know just take time to do it so thanks for having me out here and welcoming me welcoming me into your home meet your dogs and your boys and i look forward to having some adventures with you hopefully um i'll be back in town soon and we we can do some fun stuff together and we'll be hearing back from you again i'd love to have you back on the podcast yeah that's great keep this story going 
Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks. And I'm glad you're in Moab, and that sounds fun. Yeah. Do lots of adventures together. Let's do it, lady. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a wrap. A tremendous thank you to Coach Nelly for carving out so much of your time to sit down with Sam today. If you'd like to know more about Danelle Belenji, follow her online at trainingrx.com, or you can follow her on Facebook at Moab Trail Marathon and also at Journey Racing. You can also follow Samantha Pruitt through Instagram at the Samantha Pruitt. And thank you for joining us on this adventure to Endurance Town, USA, where we get to sit down and chat with regular people living an incredible endurance lifestyle. Thanks again to our partners at Race Roster for making this Faces Behind the Races miniseries possible. If you haven't yet, hit the subscribe button on your device now to hear more great stuff as it lands. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Endurance Town USA for fun behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and more. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time we go on this journey to Endurance Town USA. Bring it back.